eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com with Chris Fatter, Scott Eklund, and uh, Wednesday's practice is in the books. <laughs> Again, on the sunshiny days of Lake Washington, and it looks like this is going to be the nice, the last good weather day as rain is in the forecast for over the weekend. So, uh, really nice day out uh, at Husky football practice. Practice, you know, for those keeping track, was inside Husky Stadium today, not on the east field. It was a full padded practice, but. Uh, and fans. Yeah. Fans were there. Yeah, fans were in the what stand. Do you think? Maybe about 100? Um, yeah, close to that. Yeah, yeah. not, not, not a very big, scattered. Yeah, not a big day. So, uh, you know, but the breaking news, of course, uh, post game Jimmy Lake telling us that uh, Will Pliska, the walk on offensive lineman, has broken his ankle. He's going to be out about six months. And uh, ZTF, Zion, Tufaola, Fatui, Fatui has uh, he ruptured his Achilles, and that's roughly a 10 month plus uh, recovery time on that, but huge news on ZTF. Yeah, well, he said he said it was six to ten months, but, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, that that's a majority of the season. Um, he will miss the upcoming season. Let's put it season. this yeah. way. It almost puts you into November right now, and he hasn't even had surgery yeah. until later this week. Exactly, and uh, Jimmy said that he ran into Zion, and he said, Coach, I'm going to be back this year, so we'll see. But uh, uh, I, I have a feeling most players are going to say something like that, and um, you know, it's it's a tough blow. They they lose Leatu Latu before the before spring football with a neck injury. He has to retire. So not a not great news, obviously. But luckily, Washington has recruited that spot relatively well. They have quite a few bodies there. Uh, we can go through those names here in a little bit. But there's quite a few bodies there. There's some talented guys. But right now, the most experienced guy is going to be Ryan Bowman, and then the next one is going to be Jeremiah Martin, who is brand new to the. The team he's just played college football yeah. before when zion went down we were just all kind of looking around like we didn't see anything happen and jimmy confirmed today it was a non-contact you know things kind of like when um sydney jones at his pro day his tour but uh yeah, yeah non-contact it's just one of those things it just goes no that, that one with sydney jones was heartbreaking yeah you know because that, that's, his, that's his pro day and he's literally done with his positional work and yeah and he just goes down and no one knows why one, one more rep yeah no one no, no one understood it was like what is he doing and i i mean i remember going all the way back to joe toledo and i don't remember what bone it was in his foot but he was literally because this is when he was still a tight end and he was running down the middle of the field down a seam and he went down like he'd been shot, shot and and everyone was like what did was it like Turf Monster? Was it some? And then they literally had, I don't know if they had to cart him off or whatever, but it's some of the most random, 
hardest injuries to deal with are the ones that, you know, the, when you least expect it. Because the ultimate irony of this was Zion and all these other guys, they were getting ready, and Will Pliska, they were getting ready for the the big scrimmage that was going to happen the very next day. They weren't even in full pads. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, as much as you can do to try to protect these kids, it's still football. It's And, and it's weird stuff's going to happen. Yeah, stuff just happens. So you got you've got big guys who can run out there flying around doing different things guys trying to make teams trying to make impressions on the on the the coaching staff and things are just going to happen now Zion Tupola it, I thought there was a little bit of a scrum but I guess it wasn't he said it was non-contact so yeah. so um yeah and I Puska's mean, definitely was in a scrum yeah his was definitely but yeah. but Zion's wasn't and I I, I you just got to think this was going to happen at some point he he's just he's a big guy who's really athletic and has Maybe the the Achilles just was like, nope, I'm done working. Yeah, and and also to you know you talk about how that 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 particular position, the outside linebacker, is starting to thin a little bit. Um, you know, uh, Savelle Smalls was there at practice, but he wasn't practicing. <laughs> this is the so, second straight one, right? And so you know you add to him, and then no Mickey Ayu in terms of the inside linebackers, and then Alfonso Tupatala before the team periods really began, really in kind of the individual mm-hmm. periods, looked like he hurt himself and he never came back. So it's it's dog days of spring. I mean, we always talk about the dog days of fall and getting ready for games and things mm-hmm. like that. But spring, you know, we're right in the thick of it too. And there's what well, we got. We got two, three, four, five, five practices five left. Practices left. And yeah. it's you know, it's just one of those things where it's you're just no, grinding six, through. Six practices left. Right. Yeah. We go. We only have five practices yeah. left. But yeah, you just you're just grinding through. And sometimes this is when the weird stuff happens. I know we've got some doctors and surgeons that uh, are on the site and listen to the podcast. And if any of you you don't want to answer the question out on the boards, but, you know, when an Achilles ruptures like that from, you know, non-contact, is it just a freak thing or is it something where it was weak to begin with and if it hadn't happened at that time, it may have happened on the next rep? Do you tear it as it weakens or is it just right place, right time, you know, right pressure? So I don't know the answer to that. Could it have happened on the next hit or is it just a strong before it breaks or is it weakened that causes it to break? And if you know. do come out and explain it, please break it down into layman's terms so an idiot like me can understand it because when they start talking about the this – if this happens and that happens and you have the structural and the knee and just all that, I'm like, they give me all these scientific words and I don't know what the heck they mean. Well, what's always freaked me about uh, out about the Achilles is just because of the tension mm-hmm. it has to have in order to hold everything together and make yeah. it work, that when it does that, how much it just rolls up your leg and it's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, yeah, it just ugly. sounds absolutely Well, the thing brutal. that's wild is, you know, you know, Jimmy's talking six, ten months, you know, right around their recovery time. I remember when I was a kid, you know, my favorite basketball players for the Sonics when they were the only team in town was Bob Rule, mm-hmm. you know, going way back. But, you know, Bob snapped his Achilles tendon and he was never the same, you know. So those injuries that happened yeah. back then, you know, today. Well, with yeah. fast nah. twitch, guys yeah. that require fast twitch when they're yeah. rushing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, this is the thing where, yeah, you say six to ten months and Zion says he's coming back. You know, this is where you got to be. Mm-hmm. You've got to protect not only the rest of his career at Washington, but his future potential. Well, well let's put it this way, at the very minimum. If it's six months from, let's say he gets the surgery tomorrow, it's six months from April 22nd. That puts it October 22nd, right? right? So you're talking about basically half of the season right there. And let's say it goes an extra month. That's the end of November. Is it really worth it to rush him back to play in possibly a Pac-12 championship game or the or the Apple Cup? Basically, a, um, 
gosh, I'm total, uh, Trey Adams yeah. situation where yeah. he comes back for the last few games and plays so he can redshirt. It is that since Zion's already burned his redshirt season, he'll if he plays, he's going to it's going to count for him and everything. Well, and, but remember the yeah. pause and eligibility yeah. too. Yeah, so, so so he's yeah. Well, the other but so I think this portends him returning in 2022 now because with a big 2021 season, I think he was gone. But I don't think he's gone now. Yeah, the other question, uh, you know, if the doctors are out there, if you could answer it too. I know that in baseball, when you have Tommy John surgery, they say a lot of the time when you come back from that, it's stronger, you know, and your mm-hmm. velocity increases. You know, uh, is, you know, tearing an Achilles worse than tearing an ACL? Do you come back stronger after that? Is it stronger after the surgery, or is it always going to be a little bit more fragile? So the doctors out there, if you can answer that for us. That'd be cool. God, you'd have to think that the advances in medicine, mm-hmm. it, you, you've got to think, and obviously being in the situation he's in, yeah. dealing with one of the best hospitals in the country and dealing with the staff that they have, he's in good hands. I mean, he's in well, very, very good hands. Well, just, you know, just an off the wall for those people who really follow, you know, with what's going on with Washington football. And I don't even know if you know this, but uh, had a conversation with Elise Woodward today at practice. And, you know, the head medical guy, uh, Rob Scheidegger, is no longer with us. He's taken a position with the Seattle Mariners. You know, Rob. Nice. Yeah. No, so it's good for him. Is he? He's not the next Rick Griffin, is he? No, no. It's a different role than okay. Rick. You yeah. know. So, uh, yeah, Rob. Because I was going to say he he does a lot of field stuff, so it wouldn't have surprised me if he, you know, ended up being that kind of guy. Because Rick Griffin was there since the beginning, wasn't he? Basically. Yeah, and I mean, those who don't know Husky football don't know who Rob is, but those that are close to the program. And oh yeah, Rick, we all know. He's him. been the top trainer there for years and years. Ever since. He yeah. still looks like he's 30. Yeah. Oh, no, it's crazy. <laughs> he's young. It's he crazy. looks young. But he's been doing this for 20-plus years. So I don't know how, how you want to kind of merge these topics. But one thing that Jimmy Lake wanted to make sure that people keep in mind, and I think this is really, really important for fans because obviously this is devastating news. I mean, and you, there's no way to sugarcoat it. This is huge. I mean, this is a big deal. But you have to remember, 12 months ago, if we were this time last spring, were we really even talking about Zion as being the guy that was going to no. be the guy in the fall? No. We would have been talking about Joe Tryon. Mm-hmm. Or Leatu Latu. We would have been talking about other guys that would have been the, the guys going forward. So now, of course, you've got Ryan Bowman, who's going to be the stalwart. Now, you, know, you certainly can't – you're at the point now where the depth is, is thin, very thin. But we're talking about Braylon Trice and how Akaiko Malloy said Braylon Trice is on the same path that Tryon was. You got to be super excited about his potential, you know. Jeremiah Martin, all of a sudden, his inclusion is is huge. A, is huge. It's 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 what Patrick O'Brien is like for the defense now. It's it's a, you get a bit of a cushion. You get a guy with a wealth of experience, and he's coming in, and he can and he knows now he can make a big difference. There's going to be no shortage of reps for him going forward. What about Cooper McDonald? Cooper McDonald had great practice yep. today. He he did some nice things during because again in these seven on seven and team drills there's a mix of live and thud or rap tempo reps, and uh, when they started to go live, he was really setting an edge well. He was really breaking through the line and he was making some nice plays, especially in the run game. So there's guys that can step up and make these make these things happen and can be the next Tryon, the next Zion Tupelo Fatui, you know, whoever you want to talk about. Um, this is why there's depth. This is why they recruit these guys. They recruit these guys to come in and play and, and, and develop to become future pros. 
And so you've got to you've got to keep that in mind when you're thinking about the silver linings to a difficult situation like the news that came out today. Jimmy Lake was asked to, to name a player that maybe has stood out where he's getting more out of him so far this spring than maybe he anticipated, and he only listed one guy, and that's the wide receiver, uh, the redshirt freshman Sawyer Racanelli. Yeah, look has looked really good the last couple weeks. Well, or to, last be couple fair, to be fair, Lake, well, he you know they wanted more names. But that was the only one he was going to leave with. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I think that's good enough right now. Yeah, he goes, I think I'm just going to leave with <laughs> yeah. that one right now. Um, but it's but, a good name. It's yeah, a good it's name. a good name. And, and um, a, at a position where they need some people to step up. How I mean, big is he? He's 6'2 and about 210, 6'3", 2'10", somewhere good. in that range. Um, yeah. And uh, big and physical and can take some shots, has good hands, great football IQ, played on both sides of the ball, basically would have been a three-time state champion if he had not torn his knee uh, before his senior season. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, uh, it it was, it was tough on him, but uh, his dad, um, his dad and, and and him, if if anybody needs to go back and hear his story, it's pretty, pretty amazing because he basically told his grandpa when he was, I think like seven or eight that he was going to, that he was going to play for the Washington Huskies. And uh, um, his grandpa passed away a couple years before he graduated high school, and he graduated and he got his grandpa's truck, and uh, he's going to keep that for the rest of his life because his grandpa just meant so much for him. Sawyer is not one of the diva wide receivers, not at all. And well, and speaking of, I you know I I don't know if Washington has any diva wide receivers at this point. Um, they don't. If they are, they don't deserve to be diva wide receivers. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah, Jalen McMillan. Had a pretty good practice today. But I he thought. might be the closest. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then um, Terrell Bynum, I thought played pretty well. He flashed a couple times, but I, you know, Jalen uh, Polk, I didn't see a lot of passes thrown his way in the team sessions, and I didn't see a lot thrown Romo Dunsey's way. Well, McDuff, had, McDuff, he had Rome all day. Yeah, and they had the situational <laughs> stuff when. So just to let people know, kind of how practice was structured today, it was a lot of situational stuff. So it meant not only some red zone again going in, but it was also coming out mm-hmm. from like the one-yard line coming out. And there and were two buried. safeties toward the end. They had yeah. two safeties. One of them was a botch snap, which was with the three offensive mm-hmm. linemen, with um, Hatchet. And, and to Heward, who to was Heward. under center. And, of course, yeah. well, yeah, I can't he remember. He was under center. Yeah, but it was, sure. it was just not, yeah, it was not a clean yeah. uh, snap. And then the other, the other safety was great because it, it was a, basically a run, I think, it was with uh, Richard New- was it, was I it? thought it was Newton. Uh, okay, was I it, thought it, it was Kamari. Been, it might have been Pleasant. Yeah. But what, whoever it was, it didn't really matter because they got stuffed at the line and, you know, how the, the, the yeah. defense is on the one sideline and then Gregory's right there on the goal line and literally the side judge is coming up and marking it and going up the line to the middle of the field and he is right there with him basically like doing you – you better give us the damn safety, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they did. Yeah. I mean, they, Jimmy Lake finally gave it to him. But uh, that was—it's it, good at the goal line type stuff because the competition they really flows, yeah. and that's when they've gone live a lot. So typically, what will happen is even if they're in the red zone, like from the twenty-five yard line going in, they, he may wait until they get a first down if the offense does it all, and then once that first down goes in, and they're maybe at the fifteen-yard line or fifteen to ten, then he'll just then they'll go live. Mm-hmm. And then he'll really see once it, once the the field really gets compressed. That's when I think he really wants to see kind of what's going on. Um, and going in and out, they've had they had some good opportunities. I thought Sam Heward, he he took a lot more reps with the twos today than I had seen. Um, but just you know, they had some nice reps going in. All three quarterbacks did. But um, again, Patrick O'Brien, as you said, Kim, yeah. you know, 
Good job today. Yeah. Um, when we talk about, you know, the wide receiver position, a guy that uh, has really impressed me, sometimes coming in and the guy that hasn't been here long, but you're starting to see some of the new guys really pick things up, you know, and that's Quentin Moore. Um, you know, he, to me, the way he looked out there today, he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. And I just kept on saying he looks like Austin Safarian Jenkins. Yeah, I mean, he does a little bit. Uh, not as well, big. He wears 88. Yeah, he so wears 88, and that helps. That helps. <laughs> but he's but, a big dude. Yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, had a nice touchdown grab from uh, O'Brien today in the red zone work. And, um, yeah, uh, and O'Brien found a nice tight window. He catches it, takes a pop, and, and scores. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he's played well. Mark Redman had a lot of catches today. Yeah. Kate Otten had a touchdown catch. So yeah, it was it was, it was a good Moore had one of those hold your breath moments again with these yeah. injuries piling up, where he caught the ball, but then he got submarined, mm. and it was like helmet on knee type stuff. Yeah. And mm. you could tell he got up ginger, and I think it took I him a player two to figure well, you know, another one feel real, it out. real quick was Kyler Gordon. Yeah, uh, toward the like last. I don't know five plays. Yeah, he, he had a. But Quentin Moore had a nice. And I was going. I was going to talk about Heward. Heward had one of those instinctual plays that you just really like, where he found Quentin Moore in the flat, who Jacoby Covington got a little lost in coverage, and he was able to find him. So not only is Moore making touchdown grabs and doing stuff going into the red zone, but he did a couple nice things coming out of the end zone as well. What's interesting about the tight end room is they're not all the same skill set. There's a lot of different skill sets in there. You know, when you get, um, I'm going to do it again, number 83, Devin Culp. When you get Devin Culp's skill set where he can go back and um, play, uh, you know, fullback and he's more of a physical blocker. And then you look at Kate Otten who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Quentin Moore, I think, is that guy that you can line up in the slot. Maybe he's not as good a blocker, but a really good receiving tight end. You know, and then again, Mark Redman. They've got a real different skill set of guys there. Yeah, a lot of different guys. Uh, We haven't even really seen Jack Westover. Well, that's the thing. One thing I was going to say is with no Westover and then no uh, Mason Blast, that's allowed opportunities for some of these other guys to come in and, and do some things. Zeke Pelour had another nice catch. Zeke Pelour had a couple nice catches today. Um, again, um, I think this was even a practice where Caden Jumper had some opportunities to do some things. Because when you're in the red zone going in, you might use that type of hybrid um, tight end fullback option like a, J- a Javon Forward mm-hmm. is another guy that's been um, utilized in that. So with no Westover, now they're having to find other opportunities. I mean, I saw a couple reps where – I think it was even one of the very, very first reps in the 11-11 where they came out with two running backs. And one of the jumbo running backs, like a, I think it was Pleasant maybe, was a fullback. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're seeing how they can mix and match based on the different body types that you're talking about, Kim. Yeah. Um, but it's giving opportunities for some of these younger guys like forward and jumper to, to get some valuable reps in a position where normally Westover might be the guy that would be doing that. And I just look at a guy like Devin Culp, and you know, you take a look at the NFL with they only have a 53-man roster. They're looking for guys who can play multiple positions. And when you have a guy like Devin Culp who can catch the ball, he can block in line, but they can also line him up at fullback. You know, that may save a roster spot down the road. So, and when you talk about the versatility of the tight ends, that's a, I think that may be one of the deepest rooms on the squad right now is at tight end. Yep. No, I don't agree, disagree with you. Uh, one of the guys who really stood out to me today, and we talked a little bit before we started the podcast, Rakes Porter out of O'Day High School is uh, Miles Gaskin's running mate. Yeah. But uh, Race Porter was booming it today. Yeah, he, um, not we don't talk about punters very often. In the um, First of all, Tristan Brown 
showing off the abs today. He's going full Shane yeah. Palco and Tommy yeah. Smith. Yeah, it was pretty pretty funny. And he had, you know, and and Jimmy said he's had some boomers earlier, but he did not have a good day today. It was Race Porter all the way today, sixty five yarder. Chris said he thought he saw a sixty yarder yeah. at some point. Um, just big day for him, punting the ball very consistent, gets the ball off quickly. Uh, good, good hang time. I mean, that's really what you're looking for. Well, what's been nice about Race Porter and his evolution is that you know, obviously, he came to Washington as a guy that was a straight, straight ahead punter. You know, he just they've added the rugby game to it, where he, but he can also cough in it. So he's got the rugby action. He's got that knuckle action where guys like Kyler Gordon can down it inside the five. They had one of they those today. today. Yep. But when he does the straight ahead punting, he still, I mean, his leg still shows off. He had. Two that were at least 60 yards in the air. One for sure was 65 in the air because they kicked it from, again, the situational stuff also um, applied to special teams. So they were kicking toward end zones, but they were also kicking out of their own shadow as well. And he kicked it from the five-yard line, and it was fair caught by Taj Davis at the 30-yard line. So, um, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's a huge weapon. I mean, we go back to the... 2016 semifinal, and you look at J.K. Scott from Alabama. I mean, he was an absolute difference maker in that game when it turned mm-hmm. to field position and turned positive, you know, negative situations for Alabama into situations where all of a sudden Washington was deep, where they thought maybe they would get a chance to maybe do some things in the middle of the field. He would pin them every time. And if you have a weapon like that that can do that, whether it's Race Porter doing it on his own with those type of kicks or whether he can do it in conjunction with a gunner like a Kyler Gordon. They also – Dominique Hampton is doing run, – he's running as a gunner mm-hmm. as well. That will tell you a little bit about his speed and his size. Um, the other thing I was going to mention really tw- quick too, guys, I don't know if you've noticed that – have you noticed any of the up-man combinations? Fatui Th- Tuatele is one of their up-men along mm-hmm. with Corey Luciano. Your backup center is one of your up-men now. That'll tell you a little bit about the athleticism of some of these guys. Corey's got some nasty. And you tone. mentioned Devin Culp too, yeah. Kim. Devin Culp was one is one yeah. of the up men as well. Yeah. So there's there's some big guys that yeah. are really big athletes that they want to use in these situations. Would it surprise you because they did they did the up man thing with Jet, with Jackson Sermon last year on a fake, right? Yeah. Could you see one of the getting the big guys, Devin one of those Culp. big guys on the Devin ball? Devin Culp, absolutely. Mm. No. Devin Culp, absolutely. Devin Culp, yes. Devin Cole. You, you wouldn't give one to, to, to Tui? Not if you got to make five yards or three <laughs> yards, which and which means you got to run about 25 because it's not usually going up the middle. It's usually going around the end or something like yeah. that. So. But I just, again, I thought that it was good that they did a lot of situational football. Jimmy Lake talked about how much he loves the situational aspect of stuff coming in and going out of the end zones. Um, but it certainly applied to the – Special teams. So we got to see more special teams today than, than maybe we would normally in terms of a lot. They ran some live stuff with special teams, which is really, really unique. Secondary continues to shine. I continue to not even notice Trent McDuffie. I still well, think the reason a, you wouldn't yeah, notice Trent he didn't McDuffie do much. is he hasn't been in the team session. He hasn't so, really done much. Yeah. He doesn't do anything in yeah. team sessions. It's usually Michelle Powell. They know what they're getting. There. Yep. But, but, well, uh, you, know. you know, and and I was telling Hugh, because he was wondering where McDuffie was, and I told him the rationale for it, and he just doesn't understand that. He goes, do you think Don James told Vesty Jackson that you're good enough. We don't football, need to see football you. Football has changed I know, in the last 30 years. I know. Years, yeah. I know. That's what I, I – I kept saying that. And yeah, he, but you and, think of how you know, log that, that that spot is and how, how those guys need those reps. Yeah. I mean, they need they – Well, need the younger the guys, especially Elijah Jackson and uh, and uh, James Smith, need those reps. Yep. So they're getting a lot of reps. I mean, 
McDuffie's doing it, doing the install stuff, and mm-hmm. he's doing one-on-one stuff, but he's not doing any of the team stuff because he wants they want to get the, those other guys. I mean, McDuffie, it was so good last year yeah. in in team sessions that you know they didn't really, yeah. So, but you know, Kyler Gordon, I thought has looked really good. Uh, he's looked solid. I haven't seen him give up a lot. Um, you know, the safeties. You know, anybody's going to read anything into who the safeties are, I wouldn't do it because they've been rotating them. I well, mean, the today thing, we didn't even see Turner. I never saw Turner I was going to say today. the one thing that I noticed today, too, especially at the end team period, was they're trying to find ways to get Bookie Radley Hiles mm-hmm. in the game. I mean, they're, they're playing single high. They'll also play him, obviously, in the nickel. That battle with him and uh, Cameron Fabikulanen, I mean, that battle's raging. I mean, that battle's really good mm-hmm. right now. They're both playing at a high level. But you don't see, you know, Cameron's more still on the edge, whereas with Bookie, they're they're trying to get him mm-hmm. in the back as well because clearly they feel like he can trail and he can do some things. His his pick in the end zone was, was mm-hmm. really nice. I mean, it was almost like it was for him. You're always hoping on the defense you have the one alpha male. You know, you'd like to have more, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that one alpha who's got the swagger. It's just, Eddie. Well, I don't think it's – I don't think – I think it's another guy who's picked up on that who may be the guy. That's Dom Hampton out there. Don Hampton's turning into the alpha out there. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite there. I mean, Eddie is the one who – Eddie Ulafosio is the one who's there every time. Dom is in there, and he, he, he's got a swagger about him, definitely. And he's but, really uh, physical. He's physical. He's big. He can run. But um, I don't think it's even an assured thing that he's going to be in the starting unit when he gets on when they step well, on sure the field. He sure seems to be so. the guy with all the ones more often than not. Well, so does Cam Williams. Yeah. So. Well, they've got him uh, on the field at the same time. Yeah, they're the pair. So, and we're not yeah. still not seeing a lot of Asa Turner out there. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of him today. He was, I mean, he was definitely there. He was there. Oh, yeah. just I mean, didn't see a lot. Julius, of him. Julius Irvin. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of there, but wasn't kind of. I mean, there was mm-hmm. there were some guys that just definitely stood out today, and there was other guys that just kind of mm-hmm. seemed like they went missing. Fa- Fa- our, uh, I don't know when we're going to talk about the picks, but Fabi Kulanen had an unbelievable one-handed yeah. grab. No, both the, both those nickels had yeah. ridiculous catches. Yeah, that were amazing. Yeah, you know, and sometimes when guys aren't doing much in practice, sometimes practices are designed that way mm-hmm. to give guys more reps and guys or to give them. just guys a bit of a break. Yeah, because they so. know, like Trent McDuffie, they know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, like you know, I mean, we may touch on the quarterbacks here down the road, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, that was the today seemed to be a situation where Seward got a lot more with the twos today for some reason, as opposed to O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And and O'Brien, I still thought had a phenomenal day. I would I mean, say I if, he was, if I had to mark the quarterbacks, it would be O'Brien, Morris, yeah. and then way down the list would be Heward. I did not think today was a good but day they, for Heward. But I think part of the reason why is because they, they, they're they starting to move him up the food chain a little bit, and he's having to go up against a little better guys than just the freshmen. You know? Yeah, uh, Patrick O'Brien I thought had a great day today. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, you know, we was talking to Hugh about this too, if Patrick, o- this was last year, you know, mm-hmm. Patrick O'Brien and uh, Dylan Morris were competing for the starting mm-hmm. job, it'd be tough to choose a, a starter right yeah. now if you got those two because they're both having well, a really good And camps. somebody asked, you know, the, the group, you know, how, how, how much better than Dylan Morris does, Dylan, uh, does um, Patrick O'Brien have to be in order to take over? And because all the ties are going to go to um, Dylan Dylan Morris because he's been in the offense longer, he's been here longer, he's going to be here longer because Patrick O'Brien's only got one season left. Right. So, um, 
you know, how much better does he have to be? I, I think it's substantial. I think they're going to have to see. We're going to have to just get way more out of him in order for but us to But do you honestly think that they're going to hold that against him, the fact that he's a grad transfer? I think that's going to play into it, yeah. Because uh, I always to, think they're going to pick the but, best guy. But, it, but, but if he's, let's just say he's just moderately better, really, you know, it's kind of back and forth between the two. Yeah. Why wouldn't you stick with a guy who's going to be here next year? From, but could you from, see them playing two? Could you see him playing both? We got to ask Jimmy if he's ever, if he's thought about playing too. He's already said that. They asked. We asked last year, and he said, "I'm a one quarterback guy." But if I am open to playing two, if there's if we don't feel like we have one yet, would you feel uncomfortable with Patrick O'Brien taking snaps at Michigan? At Michigan, no. At versus Montana, absolutely not. I mean that that's what's nice about Montana being your first game. But you know he's played. I mean, it's not like Patrick O'Brien is inexperienced. He's played in front of big, big. Yeah, but big I, th- I think he senses the opportunity. And the only mm-hmm. reason I say that is that obviously he's been around enough programs, has been around enough competition, to know when he's got a legit chance or not. But I just think the reason why he he's picking things up is I saw some things with body language today where, like for instance, in the they were inside the ten yard line going in and kind of one of their um, semi live. Sometimes it was wrapped. Sometimes it was live. And he had, he had just thrown a touchdown to Kate Otten. He came back with another play almost identical to Jalen McMillan that should have been a touchdown, and McMillan dropped it. And you could look at O'Brien. O'Brien wanted that touchdown so bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could taste he could taste it. I mean, he was just like, I'm on fire. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm comfortable. Let's fight. You know, I'm firing. Let's do this. And it was, you know, and unfortunately, you know, it was dropped by uh, McMillan and another drop by um, Terrell Bynum on the very next yep. play. And, you know, he just, I think he senses it, that he's got an opportunity to show these these coaches that he's ready to go. But the thing is, though, and yes, of course, the end result is what's the most important. But, you know, when the coaches see that that in the film room, they're like, he, he did everything right. Yeah, it, so, exactly. So it, that's not going to burn him. But, you know, tr- right I think comes. ultimately it's about trust, right? Yeah. It's about trust and who they, who they, who they feel is the guy that's going to give them the best chance to win. And I, I wouldn't be surprised right now if they feel equally confident that they could, they could get a result either way with, with Dylan Morris or Patrick O'Brien. And, you know, we've talked about Sam Heward struggling. And uh, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Three weeks ago, he was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jake Browning, when he came in early from spring, we saw the same things with Jake. It just takes a while to adjust. So, oh. Yeah, I, I'm not sensing it. I'm not feeling the same thing. We'll see. I mean, he's got a whole off season. Yeah. He's got all of fall camp. But again, but, this is the beauty of having Patrick yeah. O'Brien. If they yeah. had not gone out and gotten him, They'd we'd be talking be, about yeah. we'd be talking about it in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally different way. And the light will come on at some point with Sam. But yes, I mean, he's, he's still For making sure. a big adjustment. He's 188 and, and again, pounds. He like, needs to get bigger. Like I yeah. said, I saw something just that one play coming out of the end zone on a third down play where he was able to find Quentin Moore on the sideline. And it was one of those things where he was looking middle and then just the vision and then boom, it was gone. And he had kind of he had sensed that Covington had gotten turned around a little bit and, and Quentin Moore had found some space. That's what I'm expecting out of Sam Heward like this time next year. That he he had because he has that innate ability to all of a sudden look around and then just spot it and just know exactly where to go. Mm-hmm. I think that's just gonna become second nature to him. But it's something I think he already has in him. It's just He's got to get comfortable with it himself and feel like he's got this offense down. Because right now, 
we've talked about it so many times, Cam. It's drinking water through a fire hose. Well, he's playing checkers, and the other guys are playing chess right now. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for him, it might even be like Chinese checkers. He, he might even be a. He might be trying to you know because he's learning a, he's learning basically a foreign language. I mean, John Donovan talked about it himself. How you know, <laughs> I don't then, know how good I'd be either if I had to learn Spanish and in then three in days. In addition, taking snaps under center, which he's never done before. Mm-hmm. Right? No, Since it's it's leaves. totally yeah, totally different stuff. So. Yeah. Again, anybody um, who thought he was going to come in and just be the automatic starter, you're way off. Well, I fully, I will fully cop to this idea that I expected more. I didn't necessarily expect him to come in and just all of a sudden just grab the starting spot with both hands and never let Mm -hmm. go. Um, I did expect that there was going to be some groin pains. I didn't quite expect this much, though. And see, I, I would, I would say that this is exactly what I expected. I expected a guy, especially when. Because normally you would finish your senior football season and then you can be in the playbook the whole time until, until you enroll, right? He couldn't do any of those things because he played a game on Saturday and enrolled at Washington on Sunday. Right. And that's not going to be a typical thing that happens to a freshman. When Browning came in, he enrolled in January, correct? Uh, I think so, yeah. He enrolled early. Yeah. 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 And he had time to work out with the, you know, in the off-season conditioning. He had time to do all those different things. It's just different. But I and, also think that there was that that understanding in mind between those guys that he, they were prepping him to get ready. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that they're they're maybe feeling the exact same way or approaching it in the same manner. I could be wrong, but I don't get that sense. But the the thing is, you watch them and the zip on Dylan Morris and Patrick O'Brien is definitely up one or two levels from what Sam is throwing right now. And I'm not saying Sam can't have a strong arm yeah. and that he doesn't have a, de- a good enough arm to get the job done, but the zip that comes that, that the ball comes off of their hands yeah. is so much different but, than Sam's. And I think the it. hesitancy is a big part of that. I think that's probably Second-guessing mm-hmm. means that he's he probably is thinking more than just going out and mm-hmm. throwing. Final thoughts. Scott Eklund. Good, good practice today. Tough news with Zion uh, Tupuola Fatui and the, the Achilles, but um, I think Washington's recruited well enough there that they're they're gonna they'll be okay. Um, they can't mo- lose any more guys. You don't want to see them lose anyone else. But uh, you know Washington will be okay. Their defense looks still looks really good. I think offense is coming along. I saw some more things from the offense that we haven't seen. Running backs are running physical. Um, yeah, another good practice in the books. Um, Friday, I won't be here, so I'll be reading our, our reports. But then Saturday, I'm expecting another live scrimmage for them. Last minute thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I was going to just echo that, Scott, that, that I think you're going to see more of that situational stuff on Saturday for the fans, more of the coming in and going out of, of the end zones type of situations. Um, I thought that today was really productive. I thought they got a lot of stuff done on all parts of the field. Again, was – was fun to see the special teams guys go live at times, and they had some wrinkles that they threw in there that I thought were, were interesting. Um, but overall, you know, just tough news with Zion and Will Pliska, um, not unexpected. And but it's still tough to take, even if you're even if you're kind of anticipating you're going to hear it. Um, it's never good news. So I, I wish both those guys well and hopefully get a chance to see them sooner rather than later. Next practices are going to be Friday and Saturday, and then uh, Monday we will have, head into the final week of spring football. It's going by fast, so um, where we've been blessed the last two or three practices with really good weather, it's uh, going to catch up to us Friday and Saturday, it looks like. So um, anyways, 
Uh, just a reminder for those daily updates and breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter will get you hooked up. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>